Hello and welcome to the next episode of Humans of SDU. Today, me, Martin and Mishka are going to talk to Kenneth. And he is going to talk mainly about pirate and silly. Who are they? Just wait and find out. Kenneth, welcome and thank you very much for joining our podcast. Yeah, sure. And we can open it uh, with a question because you are interested in animals. You are studying mm. PhD in biology. Yes. So what's your favorite animal? So yeah, so my favorite animal has got to be the leopard seal, even though it's a controversial animal because I work with penguins. And of course, that's the main prey of the leopard seal or <laughs> that's unfortunately penguins. So it's kind of a an inner battle there, but I really enjoy leopard seals. They're really amazing creatures. They're so what, what's so enjoyable about leopard like seals? Just their behavior, how I've seen, there's just something about them. I've never seen them in real life, of course. They're, they breed and live in the Antarctic waters. I've never been down there, but I've just from from all these nature programs and and from the stories you hear from people who've actually been down there it's just they just seem to be like the most very interactive and, and interacting and very fearsome creatures somehow they're really amazing uh, there's just something about them and and they're pretty <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into studying animals like this so so i started as a biology student back in 2012 thinking i would become like yeah start working with fish or becoming like a shark ecologist or something like that i really enjoyed sharks sharks as well but then during my masters i was introduced to this whole world of animal training and seals that we have in our department in Katamina, and it just opened up so many doors for me and i was introduced to a lot of these projects as i got to work out there as a volunteer in Katamina. And then eventually this just caught on. And I always knew that it was going to be something with marine biology. I've always been a sucker for the sea, basically. So anything that I could do around or in the sea, I would prefer over anything else. So whether it was fishing or diving or just walking around the beach, collecting small little items and just anything cool there. So whenever I had this option to actually work with marine biology hands-on with seals, these amazing creatures, and we also have some birds out there. We used to have great cormorants, and now we have common murs that we work with. It just felt like the right thing to continue with. So since, yeah, since my master's now, or what is it, 2015-16 or so? So what's actually your focus now? What, what, what is it that you do? So now I, I work with penguins in uh, Odense Zoo, so we are very we were very centered about uh, bioacoustics, so we want to study what animals hear and how they process and use all this, these sounds and informations they gather. So I'm studying penguins, king penguins and gentoo penguins and Onsa Sioux, where basically uh, I'm, I'm testing what they can hear and how well they can hear, hear it. And how is this being done? Like, how so, do you know that he's... That yeah, so the king that? penguins I, I, I train using what are called psychophysics. So. We, 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 we train the penguins to perform a hearing test similar to, to the one you know from an ear doctor, basically. So you wear these headphones and then you hear a sound and you have to respond whether or not you hear a sound. So again, it's called the go-no-go no go paradigm, basically. And I'm training the penguins to do the exact same thing. So I have them in this 
soundproof box, soundproof more or less. The sound right. redu it reduces the sound, doesn't completely isolate. And then I play some tones, and then I've taught the penguins to the when they hear this tone, they have to basically touch a little target on their right side. All right. So that tells me that if they touch the target when I play a tone, they hear it. If they don't hear it, they'll just stay, keep an eye, keep keep eye contact, and stay on their station. And I know they didn't hear a tone, or it was what is called a control. So basically, I didn't play a tone. Okay. So how can you train them to to do that? Uh, it's a very very long process. It takes very long time depending on the animals and unfortunately penguins are not fast learners oh. <laughs> or some penguins are not so i used to work with seals before i got into the world of penguins and they just learn at a very different level or a different speed than penguins so we could teach or we they they taught the, the seals to to do this task within a month at least maybe maybe, maybe a couple of weeks and how about penguins how about and how penguins I'm still working on perfecting it. So they get the basics, penguins, but they are very, very eager, very impatient. So if if they're looking at me for two, you know, like birds, they always move around and yeah. have these very fa fast, uh, uh, destructed. Uh, uh, exactly, and the same goes with the penguins. So if you ask them just to rest their head on like a station, they'll just start like looking everywhere and then if they get too impatient and they don't hear a tone they'll still just go crazy on this response target because they they have learned that that often means that they'll get a fish oh, okay so <laughs> but of course we only reward them if there was actually a tone and that's also why we try to make sure that we reinforce so we feed them just as much for a correct no response so for as for a correct yes response, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just as re rewarding as just sitting there and answering correctly that there's no tone as, yeah, the other way. And can you, I was just thinking, can you like build some kind of like relationship with the, with the penguin? For example, like you can have with the, uh, your pets, like a dog or... No, we, or try, we really try not to, 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 to tame them, so to say. But okay. of course, you have to build up some sort of relationship between the animals for them to trust you. You have to make yourself trustworthy and fun. And you need to teach the penguin that you're worth spending time with. They have to kind of accept you feeding them and spending and, and spending their time with you, basically. So it, it's really about building a relationship, but not, of course, as a pet toy or anything. Yeah. But um, yeah, they really need to have a a mutual uh, respect towards like one bond another. Or, yeah. yeah. So do you name them? We have names for them, yeah. yeah. So I got to name... I have two king penguins that I was trying at. The first one I got to name, and we didn't know for a very long time whether it was a male or a female, so I was just calling her silly all the time because she was super <laughs> silly, she was acting like a goofball, and I was just... So she, whenever I'd call her, I'd just yell silly. Or such a silly one, and then they told me I could actually name her, and then we also had the you have to actually make a, a DNA test to test whether it's a male or female. You can't uh, say it by observation. No, no. Okay. Um, so and then we got the test bags, and it was contaminated with something. We have to do a new test, and it just pulled out so long, and I just I've been calling her silly for so long, and then 
we found it was a female and I had to find some sort of female name for a silly and uh, so I, I, I decided to go with Siki because I felt like it was fairly close and she would still she would still come to me if I yelled silly or oh. Siki sorry and the other one um, she is um, I don't know if you've heard this but a few years ago when Susu had this penguin that was kidnapped by a gay couple penguins it was a very huge thing it went no, no, super viral so like in people's mag magazines and New York New York really? Post and all so there's this poor little chick that just hatched and was a week old or two weeks old, I don't remember. And then there's a gay couple, it's very common actually in penguin colonies that they have gay penguins. And they kidnapped this chick from the parents. Oh no. Really? And then the parents trying to get it back and it was just a huge fight between, not a huge fight, but they, they started fighting over this chick. And unfortunately this chick was poked in the eye during this whole brawl. Oh. Yeah, so that's kind of unfortunate. But um, so she's blind on this eye, and therefore the zoo decided, of course, to name, to name her pirate. So, <laughs> so I have Siki and pirate that I'm working with. And then I also do some work with the Gentoo penguins, but that's more. Uh, that, that, that's not as much creating a behavioral audiogram as it's called as we do with the king penguins, but we we expose them to sound in the water and we observe their behavior or their behavioral reactions basically. So, so it's not it's not as much not as much much training as more observing behaviors. So you are also like uh, observing the the penguins how they are react not on the sounds they produce themselves or if I understand that correctly. Um, no so with the gentos we have this um, we have a setup basically that we put in the pool so whenever they're swimming around the pool and we have so we make sure of course to because it's a very difficult sound field such a pool with a lot of reflections of sound and all and there's a lot of background noise with pumps so we put a, a setup down close the pump or shut off the pump and then the setup is basically a camera that is attached near the bottom of the pool filming up towards the surface and and then we have a speaker at one meter's depth basically and whenever a penguin swims right in front of the speaker will emit a sound and grade the response from a scale of one to three, of zero to three, sorry. Okay. Whereas three would be like a startled response where they get super scared of the sound and zero would be no response. And from that, we just actually had a paper um, published that was basically the first paper ever to establish like a hearing sensitivity for any penguins underwater. So that was pretty cool. And that is also again the main purpose of this whole study is to really get some get 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 some some numbers on what penguins can hear and how well they can hear them so we can establish some protective measures for these penguins colonies in the wild against human or man-made noise. And that could be again from boats and sonars and seismic surveys and windmill farms and all that. You said that you're working with the penguins that are at the zoo, yeah. right? Uh, so how does, it, how does it work when the zoo is open? Um, so I'm working, the thing about penguins, that's very fortunate actually, that the penguins are in an enclosed area. Mm -hmm. So the, the audience is behind, they're behind a window and then we have the penguin freezer basically on the opposite side of the window. And I'm more or less 
working outside the viewing area from the public. So they can, if, if you're standing inside the, the enclosure, you can see the box, but you can't really see anything from it because I have my penguins inside the box and I'm on the opposite side. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been a bit, it's not been hard, but it's been quite a task to coordinate this whole thing with the zookeepers, of course, because they have to feed their penguins and they want to feed them in the water as well. But we also make, want to make sure that they're not feeding my penguins because I should be the only one okay. coordinating their diet and, and all that. But it's just really hard to control when they have like... Maybe they have a new zookeeper or an experienced zookeeper in there and that doesn't know how to tell the penguins apart and start feeding my penguins and then okay. my whole day is basically ruined. Or maybe they throw fish in the water because they want to encourage the penguins to go in the pool. Um, and then sometimes it just happens that my penguins also go in the water and, and start eating from there. So. It is a bit of a coordination, not a problem, but a hassle to between so, the So you have to go there like on, let's say, daily basis just to feed your penguins? Yes, I'm there twice a day. So oh. I just came back now, actually, from the from the penguins. I'm going back there in, in a couple of hours to, to work with them. So, yeah. That sounds cool. And just tell me, how, how can you distinguish which penguins are yours? Except maybe for the pirate. Yeah, I guess that would very, be very recognizable. Obvious, also because she's just a maniac. I mean... No, but but they have these um, these armbands on their on their flippers with the uh, different colors and color patterns. Basically, they used to tell them apart. Mm -hmm. So we we attached a yellow strip or yellow what's it called? Uh, a, uh, what are they called now? A strip tie? No. So it's like you, you who, who mark them somehow. Just yeah, the zookeepers, they mark them and then they mark them in a way that we can tell my penguins apart from the others. Okay. So yeah, they have like a, a fully yellow armband basically. All right. So, but, but if you're not super used to be with the penguins and, you're, and you have 30 penguins sitting around you and you have to feed all of them in a very specific way and then suddenly mine comes uh, just rumbling towards you, then of course you'll also give that a fish if you're not 100% sure which is which. So. But, and if they weren't Mark, could you? like? Is there, is there a way how to distinguish? I mean, there is. Evidently for me, for my untrained eye, it's like, okay, penguin is... I mean, yeah, that, that's a penguin, yeah. The yeah. zookeepers, the ones that, you, that work with the penguins on a daily basis, they they really can tell them apart just by the looks of them, even though they look to me, more or less the same. I mean, uh, there are very small things that I, c that I also use, of course, to tell mine apart, more like the beak shape and like the feather condition, I would say. It is a very, very small thing, things that, that you can use to tell them apart, but somehow the zookeepers can just, can just tell these 40 or so penguins apart just by the looks of them. It's pretty amazing. Yes, yeah. interesting. So the pirate, of course, is very obvious. <laughs> like, she, it's not that her eye is completely ruined or so, but the one, the one eye is just ha has a whitish contrast to it. So it's a bit, uh, yeah, it looks a bit white rather than black. And is there also a difference in their temperament? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I don't know if you can see, I have a lot of scars and wounds here. It's just from from pirate. She's very, she's an aggressive eater. It's really fun also because I think she's just she she likes the 
the feel of death basically because of this one eye oh probably i don't know that's what i what i what i think because she always seems to if she's very impatient and very hungry whenever i have a fish in front of her she'll just like just grab my hand on the whole thing and it's just yeah they have very different tempers and whenever the zookeepers are in there she know she knows that they're not going to feed her the zookeepers but she'll just sit behind the zookeepers and like poke them in the side <laughs> and bite them and she's really like aggressive in that sort of manner but whereas the other one i'm working with she's more yeah she'll just wait for me to call her basically and then she'll will eat nice and calmly from my hands you can really you should it's def definitely different ways of approaching these penguins when you're starting a session. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, but, but it just came to my mind. Is it something like uh, that, for example, that uh, we can we could say that the, the pirate had kind of like a rough childhood, if we take this? <laughs> Maybe, that, it's just traumatized. Way, like with, yeah. the, like yeah. with uh, people, yeah, with deeper, humans. Deep, deeper psychology involved. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's an interesting theory. I've never thought about that. I don't think that would matter in any way. Nah, maybe she's just because she she is a bit sensory deprived, of course, with this one eye. She's just more cautious, probably. Okay. I can also feel like if, if I'm suddenly making a movement from her blind side and then in front of her, yeah, in front of where she can actually see, she'll get she'll get easily oh, yeah. startled compared to to yeah to like other penguins. So I think she's just a bit, a bit extra cautious, maybe. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she's still very, very. I mean, you can't tell on her general appearance that she is uh, that her vision is a bit compromised because she's really interactive with everyone and she is in the pool all the time, swimming around like basically like no other king penguin in there. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And uh, you you have now like uh, eight months or something to finish your uh, PhD. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any plans on how to continue? Do you want to continue your research at the university? Yeah, or? so the thing is that this is a collaboration between different departments in Germany. So we with the Rostock University and the Oceanium in Stralsund, the big aquarium there, and then also the, uh, the Natural History Museum in Berlin. So we all, we're all together in this one project that is, yeah, it's called Hearing in Penguins. All right. And it is funded by the the German Environmental Agency. The, the Germany the Germans uh, do a lot of research in the Antarctic on their field stations and all. So they're very interested in how they affect these penguins. It's been funded by by them this project, and we will probably continue this entire project few years to come. Like we we just asked for a prolong for uh, to have it all. Yeah expanded a few more years so we'll hopefully continue until at least 23 okay but i will hand in my dissertation at january 31st oh. so that's yeah in eight months or so and then we'll have to see so we are talking about maybe having me move to rostock where one of the departments where they also keep penguins because they have their very own penguins that they work with it's easier to coordinate the whole thing and to actually do research when you're fully in control of the animals mm -hmm. rather than having to coordinate it with the zoo and all. We hope to continue some of the work with the zoo, but the whole hearing and penguins will probably, not certainly, but probably um, end with my project. 
Well, we're not sure yet. We'll, maybe we'll have some other students also to continue either as a research assistant job or, a, or another PhD. Mm -hmm. We'll have to see. We, we're not very sure about this yet. But so far, I mean, we, we have some very good results from this as far as it goes. And we, there's really no reason not to continue working with the penguins in there because now they're also trained to this task. We can always expand the study a bit more. So not only can we see what they can hear, but can they also like maybe tell sounds apart from any background noise? So if we add some background noise, can they can they find our tones in between the background noise? And there are just different fun ways to kind of continue this project, basically, to expand our knowledge on their, yeah, on their auditory capacities. Mm. And uh, if you continue this, this project, would you like to then go to Antarctica? To yes, yeah, definitely. I would love to go to Antarctica. It's really fun because I just had one of my very good colleagues. She just went to Antarctica for more than a half a year just on a research boat where you had to basically do, of course, a lot of research in the Antarctic waters and also, uh, what's it called? Yeah, just teach the general, it was also, I think, or they had tourists on the boat as well. So she had to do talks to the tourists and and include them in their research. And it's just a very big thing down there, apparently, to include tourists in uh, research projects I around the Arctic waters. Yeah, difficult to coordinate. So it's, just, it's just a part of that, and it's just it just looked like, yeah, it, it would be really, really fun to try to love that. But so far, we didn't plan any trips for me yet, unfortunately. <laughs> but hopefully, fingers crossed, in the future, we'll. Right. Yeah. So how about when you're... When you're done with this project, you said 2023, uh, do you want oh, to no, stick to penguins? Or? The, the penguins, or the project for now ends in April next year. Mm -hmm. And we just have, and we just ask now to have it, mm -hmm. yeah, extended for some more years. And we'll see if that goes through. We don't, we're not sure yet, but hopefully, and probably it will. And yeah, but yeah, I've, I mean, I'd like to continue with the penguins, but I've also been recommended for a position also in Rostock working with sea lions that they keep there. And we could probably do, hopefully do some sort of mix in between. So both, uh, I'll stay working with, with the penguins for a couple of projects and probably within this hearing in penguins project. And then the sea lions and seal uh, studies would primarily be about their vision. So we stay within sensory biology, but move, uh, we move from bioacoustics until, yeah, what, what the sea lions can see underwater and how they cope with this transition from going from air to water and how their vision is adjusted accordingly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also thinking, uh, it's, it seems like you have pretty busy life now, like going to the zoo maybe twice a day, mm, doing yeah. the research and stuff. Yeah. Do you have t time, like free time for doing anything else or this is just your life? The thing is, my hobbies are very much a part of what I do as well. So, I mean, I, I mean we're out also, we have a boat at our department in Karamina that we often use to go out and look oh. for porpoises and that's part of a lot of projects they do out there they look for porpoises and their behaviors and uh, we can do that with a drone from a boat and I mean I love spending my free time on a boat in the sea and and also I, I do a lot of diving or I did haven't done so much 
recently, but um, yeah, you can also make that part of a study or so. And fishing, and yeah, I mean, everything I do basically centers around the sea. And yeah, you can always like use that, that yeah. for, for any projects. So I also do a lot of spear fishing, actually. Wow. And, and that's a good opportunity also to keep an eye out for the invasive uh, fish species, such as uh, the black uh, goby and all. So wow. whenever we see black gobies in the area, we report that for any students who want to work with invasive species. So it's pretty much a way to just include the study in your free time. Seems like you're the perfect researcher. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but no, it's really, it's just great fun. It, it is really. So yeah, when I have time off, I'll just continue with whatever whatever I added it for the, for the first part of the day. And back to the diving, uh, mm. is it all right to do it here in Denmark? Or did you go any different places? I don't just for fun. Uh, yeah. uh, but in Denmark, we, uh, we just, I don't know if they're running that anymore, but when I was a master's student, we had this commercial diving course. So we, we could actually be, uh, yeah, become commercial divers through our studies and also get ECGS for that. So we were, how many were we? Seven or so people who did that. So we're now allowed to actually do diving as a commercial diver. So clean oh, okay. uh, or do underwater work that often requires a lot of licenses and stuff. So we have, I spent also my year after my master's working with as a diver for Fjorn Belt Center, like the aquarium they have in Katamina, where we, we cleaned the windows, we help building, uh, and fixing the enclosure for the porpoise and all. Oh. Yeah, so that's really fun. Mm. And are there uh, good places for diving uh, around the Denmark coast to see something? Yeah, I mean, what it's very... The Danish coast, it's full of life, but it's not a colorful life as you see in the tropics, okay. of course. Yeah, that's what Most I imagine when someone says diving, okay. Yeah, so there are a lot, so a lot of flounders, yeah. there's some cod, there are a lot of wrasses and all these very... It's it's cool if if you're very into marine biology. It's such a great joy to dive on the Danish coasts. But I think to most of the general public, they just find it very anticlimactic going from yeah. a Danish coast or going from the tropics into the Danish coastline. But I mean, if you know what to look for, it's uh, there's so, there are so many opportunities down there. It's really great fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess we are more or less getting uh, to the yeah. very end. Of Thank our... you. Oh, really? Very much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is really illuminating. Maybe we have uh, time for the very last question. Yeah. On here, we, we we tend to ask uh, our guests uh, because everyone goes through the life in a different way, and mm. uh, so do you have any we call it like life hack or how to cope with the life with the difficulties or oh. when something come across? Do you have anything that helps you keep it up? Do I have anything? Besides no. going on a boat. Besides going on a boat. No, that's probably my best life hack. Just go out in nature. Just, it just whenever you go out, just leave your phone. I mean, I'm trying as hard as I can. Just whenever I'm out places where I'm sure I'll never ever need my phone, just leave it at home. I've done that for actually just for a year or two now, but it's just a very nice way just getting yourself away from everything for just a moment and 
I mean, that's, I, I can count on one hand how often I've had like a, an, I'm, an emergency that I needed my phone with me. So, yeah, that's probably all. I guess that sounds like a very good advice. Yeah, I, I mean, if I'm, if I'm out going for a walk and I'm out shopping or anything, I mean, uh, I'll, I'm pretty sure no one's going to call me and ask me to save their lives within <laughs> half an hour or so. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we can definitely apply this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe might as well. Yeah. Go out on a boat without your phone. Yeah. That's it. That's a, that's my life hack. Perfect. Yes. Thank you very much for joining us. My it's pleasure. a pleasure Thank to you. talk. Thank you so much. Yeah. No worries. And that would be it for today. Thank you very much for listening. And don't forget to check out our social media, Facebook and Instagram, what we are currently up to. See you next Wednesday.